So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash StarTalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash StarTalk today. Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. We're doing a Cosmic Queries edition. And you know what that means. I got Chuck Nice as my co-host. That's Chuck. right, sir. What's happening? All right. Neil? All right. What's going? So this one, I, again, every now and then, there's the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> we, oh, wow. We, we, we pull out of the barrel all those that were solicited topically, but then a few fall through the cracks, and others just come in randomly. And so this is just some random, it's like a, a, a potpourri. Yes. Uh, I think in the past we might have called it a galactic gumbo. No. But we, we just don't have a, 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 a good term for it. Uh, ah, how about that? We'll, we'll call this one cosmic cauldron. Cosmic cauldron. Ooh. Yes. Okay, let's try yes. that. We'll a little juxtaposition, uh, tongue-in-cheek, a little... A witchcraft <laughs> reference with science. <laughs> and the alliteration to boot. Yes, All right, so what do you have? I assume you have a Patreon question up front. Uh, mm-hmm. As always, we start with the Patreon patrons because mm-hmm. they give us money. Uh, let's do this. So, yeah, uh, this is David Hemsath from Patreon. He says, is there a hypothesis for the interaction of dark matter and a black hole? So, you know, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's... Just because dark matter is dark and black hole is black, black, don't mean all the black and the dark got to vote together. <laughs> as far as we know, they are completely separate and distinct, as far as we know. And right. that actually, I'm not even saying very much there because we don't know what comprises dark matter. And as I've said many times, it's, it'd be better termed dark gravity. It's something giving us gravity, and we don't know what it is. Black holes give us gravity, but we know what a black hole is. So there's no obvious connection between the two at all. Wow. Not only theoretically, but observationally as well. So I got nothing for you there. Well, there doesn't look, doesn't seem to be anything there. There doesn't seem to be a there there. You're not in the dark matter there, right? Not in the dark matter there, yeah. And if you want to find out what's in the black hole, you can go check it out and let me know. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Go ahead. Uh, Julia Lysik. Uh huh. Uh huh. Julia Lysik from Patreon says this. I have an essay question for you guys. An essay question. Uh-huh. That means it's compare and contrast. Yeah, that's what's one of those. There you go. College okay. essay questions. College yeah. essay questions. What, in your opinion, is the best all-time depiction of aliens in a movie or on TV, and why? Ooh, ooh, love me that. Okay, so it, that's so cool. I, I, I've got the answer. Nineteen fifty-eight. Nineteen fifty-eight. Nineteen. Wait a minute. With all the CGI that we have available right now. That's the problem. You go back to 1958? That's the, here you go. Uh, One of Steve McQueen's earliest films, if not his first film, The Blob. Oh, snap, The Blob. The Blob. Let me ask you. (gasps) (laughs) Wait, that could be any, that's any movie. That's so scary. (laughs) That's any movie. Chuck. It's not. <laughs> Snot is coming to get us. <laughs> <laughs> Something blew its nose on the earth. We're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why they were freaking out. <laughs> Snot. Oh my God, it's Snot. <laughs> so the blob, one of these, you know, low budget uh, B movies, I think they were called back then. In any case, it, what was intriguing about it is. Uh, this thing didn't have a face, didn't have arms, legs, nose, mouth, shoulders, fingers, toes, head. Didn't have any of the things you normally would be putting on an alien, primarily because you have an actor in the alien costume. And so why would a creature from another planet with no DNA in common with life on Earth look more like us than we do compared to other life forms on Earth. Right here on Earth. Right here on Earth. So my argument is, uh, what are two really different life forms? Humans and jellyfish and oak trees. Let's take those three, okay? That's quite the gamut. That is. Uh, Whatever the alien is, it should look more different from the three of us than we do from one another. Because it's coming from a completely other kind of thing. So that's why the blob, for me, which had no spinal column. (laughs) It has no no nothing. It's got no nothing. It's it's a blob. It's a blob. It's a blob. And another uh, little-known fact, I mean, it's known if you paid attention. The blob was, like you said, was like snot. It was was transparent, uh, colorless when it arrived on Earth. After it consumed its first victim... For the rest of the movie, it was red. Ew. <laughs> that is nasty. It became the color of the blood, right? That's, that's wild. A little, it happened just one scene, and then you don't think about it. You think the blob is just this red thing that's... Uh, so, yeah. The, now, now, I don't... Because re- I'm... So you, I you, couldn't, I'm, you couldn't defend against the blob because it would come in under the door. It would do it. It would come in through anything. Through the grates of the yeah. thing. It came into a yeah. movie theater. It terrorized people because that's how it got in. And Should have called it the ooze. The, <laughs> that should have been the name of it. The ooze. For me, that's the most... Um, that representation of an alien has the highest sort of integrity with regard to it not looking like anything here on Earth. Now, that being said, there are two movies, maybe three. So start with 2001 A Space Odyssey. That had aliens in them. You just never saw them. You saw the manifestation of their intelligence. Okay. So 
uh, Arthur C. Clarke and uh, Carl Sagan was one of the advisors on that film. They said, just don't show aliens at all. You can't imagine it. But you can put their handiwork. And so that's one that did it. Not only that, in Carl Sagan's novel, Contact, which then became a movie in the late 1990s, because uh, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey was 1968. So, so Contact, that also had aliens that you never saw. Well, that's because, hi, I'm going to take the form of your father. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, that like, I've, I've taken this pleasing form to you, yeah. so because there's no way you could actually comprehend what we really look like. Right, right. exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so these are, uh, I think, this shows honesty in our ignorance by not even attempting to show them at all. Okay. And meanwhile, a, a very important movie, but for me, showed very little imagination was Predator. Okay. Okay. Uh, Predator is this alien drops on Earth and goes human hunting, right? It's like it's... Makes, yeah. It's what he does, and it's got Arnold in it, and it's got some other muscled men of the 80s in it. Right. And they fight this one alien. Well, how tall is the alien? He's about, you know, six feet five. or he's. It's not three inches tall. <laughs> it's no. not 60 stories tall. It's approximately human-sized. It's right. got feet, except they're a little bigger. It's got a head. It's got a mouth. It's got arms. It carries weapons. It's got a belt. It's got stuff. And this is an alien? Come on now. So it really shows an absence of imagination in Hollywood anytime they go down that road. Okay. Well, now, what do you think of alien? So that's... Okay, the Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney so. Weaver. So the actual alien itself, who happens to be my favorite alien because, uh, I mean, it's... You know, because he's well, he's got a mouth and a mouth. Okay, so, right. So if if a mouth with teeth is scary, then you give him two mouths with teeth. Exactly. <laughs> it's got to like, be twice yeah. as scary. So it opens a mouth, but, but then there's another mouth and then another mouth. Right. No. Also, too, the fact that um, it it bled acid to me was that's just the coolest thing ever. Okay, but it still like had a mouth with teeth. Right. Do you realize most life forms on Earth doesn't have teeth? Don't have teeth. <laughs> Right. In fact, I think the teeth, I think, are only invertebrates. Let me think about that. You got to eat something. You got to chew. It's not only, well, worms eat things, but they don't have teeth. Well, they absorb. No, they have a mouth, but yeah. Okay. A lot of things, whales that don't have teeth that have baleen instead of teeth. Right, right. It filters through. Right, right. So I'm just saying this concept that you're going to make an alien and it has teeth. Because teeth are scary. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. Don't, don't try to convince me that this is something could, from another could you planet. Imagine if the alien tried to gum you to death. That's funny. If a lion came running after you and it roared and it had no teeth in its mouth. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> right, it's wearing slippers and a robe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I, you know what? I got to say, you make a very cogent argument for the blob that I never considered. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I uh, I'm going to say, here's how you've changed my perspe- my my perspective on this. I always thought that the blob was a lack of imagination. Really? And, oh, yes. 
I always thought of it as, oh, okay, so you guys just you couldn't think of a good monster, so you just made it into a blob. But but the way you explain it, and I'm wondering if they actually were as thoughtful as you, because if so, then it's brilliant. <laughs> okay. I'm sure if, they'll if, take it. They'll if, take it, I'm sure. Yeah, if not, if they're lucky that you came along. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was preordained because, in fact, that was my birth year. So we had, we, oh, okay. uh, we, the movie and I are the same age. Okay, right mm-hmm. on. Okay, cool. All right. All right, here we go. Let's go to Ryan Espinosa from Facebook. And uh, Ryan, a little all over the place, but I'm going to give it to you right now. Uh, he says, if the universe is technically finite, how about the multiverse? And the reason why I say a little all over the place is, First of all, is there a multiverse? Because he has made that a fact, which is not necessarily in evidence. So what are your thoughts, first of all, on a multiverse? Now, secondly, after your thoughts on the multiverse, if this universe is indeed finite, would that multiverse also be finite? That's the question. Yes. My answer— I, I, I altered his question. You, summar- you the question. summarized the question. Okay. I summarized. So the answer is— we got to take a break. <laughs> we'll come back in the next segment. We'll, we'll get the latest on the multiverse on Star Talk Cosmic Queries. Uh, right. Cosmic Cauldron Edition. Cauldron. Cosmic Cauldron Edition. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. We're back. Star Talk Cosmic Queries. Check nice. 
Yes, sir. Fully locked and loaded. All Fully right. locked and loaded. We last so, left off on the yeah. multiverse. And who's, who's the yeah. questioner again? And the question was Ryan. The questioner was Ryan Espinosa. Okay. He wanted to know if the multiverse was finite. But mm-hmm. first of all, we would have to establish: is there a multiverse? <clears throat> okay. So first of all, before we get to the multiverse, uh, we don't know if the universe is infinite or finite. We just don't know. Gotcha. And I don't know if we can know for sure any more than a ship at sea looks mm. in every direction and it sees the horizon. And it doesn't see land in any direction. It's in the middle of its own horizon. Right. It cannot know how big the actual ocean is if it only has access to the water within its own horizon. What it would have to do is, is keep moving, okay? It'd have to, like, travel. And it would keep moving and take its horizon with it. And that horizon moves across the water surface. And then eventually they might see land. At that point... They have found the edge of the ocean. The ocean ends because more ocean doesn't keep coming in. So if we wanted to explore, if the universe had some edge, then we, we're not going to learn it just sitting here in the middle of our own horizon. We'd have to start moving to other places within the universe. And you want to do that fast. Otherwise, it expands faster than you can get there, and you'll just never know ever. Okay, if the universe is expanding faster than you're traveling, if the ocean is growing right. faster than the ship is sailing, well, yeah, now you're in a, now you're on an oceanic treadmill. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. That's a perfect analogy there. So we we simply don't know. So anytime any of my I or my colleagues reference the size of the universe or the um, the dimensions, it's basically the the observable universe, the universe that's within our horizon. We can give you the size of that. And how long we've been at that. Beyond that, we don't know. Now, the multiverse. It turns out the multiverse is on good theoretical grounds. So we didn't just pull that one out of some orifice, right? It's, it's quantum physics mixed with general relativity, two highly successful uh, understandings of the universe. When you shotgun marry them in the early universe, because quantum physics is the physics of the small and general relativity is the physics of the large. But the early universe, the large was small. So if the large was small, then perhaps the quantum influenced the entire universe. So in, uh, when you have particles popping in and out of existence or doing weird things, maybe that particle is an entire universe unto itself if the universe is the size of a particle. So you can take that kind of reasoning that comes from that direction. And on, in doing so, you can conclude that maybe we are not alone, that our universe is not alone in a multiverse, possibly an infinite number of universes to reckon. So, uh, by the way, d- depending on what level multiverse we're talking about, the universe can just have different configurations of atoms and energy, or even the same configuration. Now, Chuck, you have a goatee in this universe. That means you're the evil Chuck. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> There's another universe where there's a clean-shaven Chuck. That's right. the good Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's faking it. <laughs> so that's one class of multiverse, but there are other classes of multiverse 
Um, I first seen explicated by a, a friend and colleague, Max Tegmark up at MIT. He's written extensively on this. There are other levels of multiverse. Another one where, okay, your um, the matter and energy, uh, not only that can be different, but the initial conditions are different. So maybe your universe won't expand forever. Maybe it'll recollapse. Then there's another level where the laws of physics are different. Right? This, this is how deep into the rabbit hole you drop before you hatch out another universe. What, what control do you have over the laws of physics? In the traditional multiverse that people think about, we are in the same space-time, just different pockets that cannot interact with each other, as is different ships at sea would be. They're on the same ocean, but they don't interact with each other because their horizons are, are, are separate and distinct. So that's the traditional multiverse that people think about and talk about and has been represented in science fiction. So just because we might be finite or, or open or flat doesn't mean others have to be because their matter and energy could be distributed differently. So there you have there it. There you go. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's fascinating stuff. That uh, by by really the way, people say, well, if there's an infinite number of universes, then there's you in another universe. Therefore, you can in principle live forever. But no, that other well, that other me doesn't know. It, it's just it, it's not me. It ain't me. Right. That's not me. Right. Just as just as much as you care about him, he cares about you. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the problem. And I've said we've done this experiment before with with copies of each other, and it's called twins. Twins right. are identical copies, and they walk among us. Right. But came from the same single cell. Same I mean, single cell. Same cell. If you pinch one twin, the other twin doesn't say ouch. Right. So they're not the same person, even if they're molecularly identical. So that's why I'm, I'm not thinking that this other person in another universe is going to grant me eternal life. I don't see that. I don't think it. I don't, th I don't think it's good evidence or reasoning to argue that way. Wow, cool. Yeah. Well, that's thanks, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Appreciate the question, man. Um, here's Michael Scarn from Facebook. And Michael says, the faster you travel, the slower time is for you. How much younger do career pilots stay, being if they fly and travel uh, fast, faster than common people? So if you're constantly spending time at, at let's call it supersonic mm -hmm, speed, mm -hmm. uh, is there any negligible time just, I mean, time. Um, oh, you, you can always difference. You can always calculate how much younger they are relative to their twin on Earth. You can always do that. By the way, we've done this experiment. There is a twin astronaut who went into orbit and stayed there for a year or so, and left the other one on Earth. And we studied we, I mean, the NASA medical um, right. professionals studied any differences in their DNA, exposure to space radiation, um, and there is this factor. Because there's going in orbit, you're going much, much faster than a fighter pilot would ever go. Right. Yeah. Um, you're going in. In fact, in orbit, you're going. If you were to travel that through the air, it'd be like Mach thirty or forty. Um, wow. And and fighter pilots are going Mach two at most, Mach three. Right. So if you're really, you know, really booking it, so you can calculate. You just plug that into an equation, and when you do that. And I did this for, it's, it's the, um, the twin brothers that went into space. By the way, this is not a special calculation. Anybody with rudimentary knowledge 
of Einstein's special theory of relativity can calculate this. Okay. Right. What I mean by rudimentary is it's like the first equations you learn in relativity 101, whenever you might. Okay. Have. Yeah. Okay. Too bad I didn't too bad I didn't take that in, <laughs> in school. Relatively 101. <laughs> uh, so and I, I don't remember I might have come up with like a hundredth of a second or something uh, for being at those high speeds for a year relative to his twin. So we don't measure deaths with that time precision. So for me to say he will live a hundredth second longer than his twin on Earth, uh, that's not a meaningful time difference. So he'd have to be traveling yeah. much, much faster than just mock dozens. He'd have to be traveling a major fraction of the speed of light and do that for a sustained, a sustained period of time. Then you come back days, years, decades younger than your twin would have aged. That'd be cool. See, Yeah, so fighter pilots, forget about it. Right. We'll forget so I, about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, forget about it. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. Well, there you go, uh, Michael. It's a hundredth of a second. So oh, enjoy I, that time. I forgot the exact a fraction number. Of a, it's a fraction enjoy of a Enjoy that second. time. It's a fraction enjoy of a time. Enjoy that time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This is, uh, let's keep it simple here because I like this question. Some, since, we, since we're getting into the questions that we don't normally ever get right, to, right, right. I might as well mm-hmm. get to the, those really like weird questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Ralph Succi, and Ralph from Facebook says, if you were to get a space theme tattoo, what would it be? Ooh. Ooh. Now, I don't have any tattoos. Okay. So I'm just, you know, I'm a, the generation where the only two kinds of people ever got tattoos, and it was bikers and sailors. Right, and that's why Popeye, right. Popeye had a sailor. Uh, had a, had a ka, 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 ka. Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any voice you can't do? <laughs> so Popeye had a, like a, I think it was an anchor uh, tattoo. On, yeah, on his forearm, right on his forearm. Right, right. his bloated forearms. So I thought he had some kind of arm disease or something when I was young. Well, uh, yeah, like, probably elephantitis. I know something, yeah. right? Right. <laughs> so, um, so I'm just not a tattoo guy, primarily because there's nothing. I have that much confidence in that I really? want to look at eternally until I die. I, I want to be, always be able to have a thought that's different from a thought I had before. And therefore, you don't lock in a previous thought. You continue to put in new tap roots. Now, I said this to someone who had a lot of tattoos. Oh, no, 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 no. The, the, my body is just the record of those thoughts. Well, they, said, that's okay. that's that's one way to to, to look at it. I, said, I could write down the record. That's another way I can do it. <laughs> I have paper for that. <laughs> uh, so if I were to get one, maybe it would be one of these sort of uh, bullet-shaped uh, rockets from the 1950s, you know, with the fins. Oh, yeah. How they, you know, just kind of, it's it's classically imagined, I should right. say, even though that's not yeah. how they ended the up. The comic looking. book version Com- of a rocket. comic book version of a rocket, but from the day. No one would draw that today. And just because it was, it's, it's, it comes from a time when we had very high hopes and expectations yes. that our energy and investments would continue into um, space and be sustained in ways that we have not lived up. So mm-hmm. that would be a, uh, that's how I would think about it. All right. Actually, kind of a cool tattoo. I, I, all right, I'll give you that. I thought you were going to be like, you know, Saturn or something like that. Oh, know? no. No, I can look no. at pictures of Saturn. 
which will look that, better than true. any tattoo that would ever land end up on my, on my skin. This is true. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go to. Okay. Uh, keeping with this same theme, mm-hmm. the the stuff we never ask. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, this is Migu thirty one on Instagram. If you can time travel, uh, what's the one place uh, you'll go and the one person? You'll see. <laughs> so I assume they mean backwards time travel. Uh, yeah, one. yeah. Okay, yeah. so there's a there's an old joke about that, all right? Oh, yeah. So, so consider the two facts. Uh, if backward time travel were possible, mm-hmm. wouldn't we have met such a person by now? If Wait, if backward time travel were possible, wouldn't we have met such a person by now? What person? A backwards time traveler. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they should have come here to us. <laughs> it should have shown up, but but wait, wait, I, the I, what, what? but you know the the, the whole um, the prime directive of time travel <laughs> Go on. is that Go on, you're Captain not Kirk. allowed. Yeah, is that you're not allowed <laughs> to upset the timeline in any way, and you're not allowed to tell anybody you're time traveling. Oh, that's how they hide among us, right? Yeah. Oh, forgot about that. Well, okay, so. One of my favorite, uh, was it during the science march on Washington, shortly after uh, um, Trump was elected president? Uh, There's a science march just in praise of science. And one of the placards said, uh, they started a chant, what do we want? A time machine. When do we want it? It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> That's it. I like that. Isn't that good? That's good. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whenever you get it, we'll move back right. to whatever we want. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, so uh, if I could move back in time, I, I would go back and have a conversation with Isaac Newton. Mm. Okay, so now that we know that, uh, and that... that's And he lived, you know, I have to go back to uh, 16, no, the late 1600s. Uh, the year 1700 would work. He had already discovered his laws of optics, gravity, and calculus, and um, uh, laws of optics are still getting assembled. He discovered them, but he hadn't published it yet. And uh, I'd bring some of our problems to him. But see, see you know, you, now, now, let, now, okay, so this is fascinating to me right now, what? right? What? I don't know how much time we got, but I got to jump into this what? for a second. What? So here you are, you're back, 1700, talking to uh, 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 Isaac Newton. Mm-hmm. Now... You know everything that he's already done. Yes, isn't that interesting? Yes. But he doesn't. Yes. You also know things that he would find wondrous. Yes. How do you have a conversation? What do you talk about? When we come back. You you might end up (laughs) screwing everything up. (laughs) When we come back, details of my conversation with Isaac Newton that I may or may not have already had. Back, Star Talk, Cosmic Queries. Of course, Chuck is sitting right there. Yes, sir. And you're here because you named this one. This because this is a potpourri, but you're not you're not happy with potpourri. No, we right. went with the Cosmic Cauldron. Cosmic Cauldron. I yes. was thinking Cosmic Crucible, but that's not right. I like the Crucible. That's no, you even... burn stuff in a crucible. Yeah, that's, that's it, very alchemic. It Al- is. <laughs> It's, yes, exactly. We have the alchemy, the cosmic alchemy. We're putting this stuff in the crucible and burning away the 
the bad and leaving only what we need. So we, we left off uh, with the question about who would I meet or what, what would I witness if I could go back in time? And right. And definitely I'm going to meet Isaac Newton. Okay. Year 1700 is as good as any uh, in, his late, in his middle years. And, but you posed an interesting point. Right. Like there's stuff that I know, because I'm trained in physics, that he's already discovered. That's but right. But then there's stuff I know that, that he, he, has, has. he hasn't figured out yet. Right, and he, and he will figure it out. Okay, so this, so is, now dis- are, this is everything. You could screw it all up. Just disturb the space-time continuum. Yes, it reminds me of my fa- one of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons, which has been on TV for the so Simpsons, long. Okay. It, it really does. <laughs> Homer Simpson uh, somehow turns a toaster into a time machine. Oh. And every time he goes back in time and comes back, there's something different because he keeps disturbing the continuum. Oh, and, he disrupts what the flow of time. Right. Correct. Okay. Wow. So, and one time all he did was step on a bug, and then he comes back and everybody's a lizard person. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta find that episode. It's very funny. <laughs> and then he comes back, and um, everything l- looks uh, the same, except it's super boring or something like that. And he's like, "Oh, I gotta get out of here." And he goes, and right after he leaves, it starts raining donuts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so that toaster is actually access to the multiverse. That's yes, exactly. Really That's what there. it is. Yeah. So here's here's an interesting uh, issue. Uh-huh. It's a time travel issue, and it has to do with what are called gin particles. In this particular example, it would be a gin concept. So a gin particle, it's J I N, is the is how you. It is something that was never created nor destroyed. It just exists. Nice. Okay. So let's in the more classic movie classic example. Let's go to Back to the Future. Okay. And back to the future, Marty at the school prom gets a hold of the guitar. And then he starts imitating Chuck, Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry. Okay. But Marion Berry is the band leader, Chuck Berry's brother. Marion Berry hears this tune and say, Chuck, Here's the tune you've always been trying to figure out what would work. And he puts the phone up to the thing. And, and he it's hears Johnny Marty. be good. It's Johnny, okay. And so now, if we follow that through, what we are led to believe is that Chuck Berry got his most brilliant song from a white boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. From Michael J. Fox. <laughs> no, but what happens is, so if he does actually get it from Michael J. Fox, and he then influences Michael J. Fox in the future, then the song only exists in this loop. It was never written by anybody. Right. Do do you see what I'm saying? No, yeah, that's the only way it could exist, is that it was never written by anybody. It was never written, because uh, Marty plays it because he heard it sung by Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry hears it for the first time through his brothers putting the phone out on the thing, and then Chuck Berry includes it in his in his performance, as well as the 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 the, the duck walk, the, the duck walk, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so in the case with Isaac Newton, it would be interesting if Newton is on some calculation and he's struggling. I say, hey, have you thought about? <laughs> have you considered? Right. Hey, Isaac. I, like, Isaac. I don't, just carry the two. <laughs> carry the two. 
Just carry the two, Isaac. You forgot to carry the two. You forgot to carry the two. And so there I am helping Isaac. And then, of course, he's remembered for doing it. But I only know it because I read that he had done it. Right. And so, again, that would be something that's closed in a time, in a, in a time loop, basically, that never had a beginning or an end. So it's just an interesting little fact about that. I love that. I love that. The gin particle. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, th- in that case, it's a gin... A gin- it's a gin concept. So, for example, in the movie, the lesser seen movie, but it's a ro- slow romantic, uh, uh, not a rom-com, but what do you call them? It was just a romantic movie. A romantic movie, okay. It was a romantic movie. It was called Somewhere in Time. A love story, Somewhere in Time. Yeah, it's a love story. It was a love story. And I think I told this at some other occasion. Yeah, you told me, I know. I, I think where an old woman comes up to the main character, who happens to be Christopher Reeve, who played Superman. Oh, no, um, we, didn't, we never talked about we this. We never talked about this. And she comes up to him. He's a professor, and he, she gives him a locket and says, come to me. Oh, no, we never talked about this. And he this. finds out that she come to, she's back in time, like the 1920s or 1930s. And he does research on this and finds out that this woman exists at, at another time. And he right. goes to his physics professor and uh, colleague, and says, is there any way I can go back in time? So we'll try this and do this. He goes back in time. And he brings this locket with him. And he does meet her. And they do fall in love. And as a gift of his love for her, he gives her this locket. Well, he didn't love her that much. That was her locket. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't didn't spend a dime on it. Yes, he didn't spend a dime. (laughs) Gave her her own locket. (laughs) But whose locket is it? Right. Because that, in that case, that's a gin particle where the locket was never created or destroyed. And it doesn't exist before it appeared, and it doesn't exist after. It only exists within that time. It's locked in time between right. when she gave it to him and when he gave it to her. Interesting. I love point. it. Yeah. So that, you have to just watch out for that. Yeah. So now what do you, what do you ask him? What do you say to Newton? I say, please What's, help. <laughs> you just really ask him everything. Guy. Yeah, the problem is there's a lot I t- we take for granted, not just I, but any of us living in the year 20, in the 21st century, we just take for granted that we understand energy, which was a poorly uh, uh, formulated concept in his day. How'd you get So it? he wouldn't took, even know what you're talking about. I, I, how'd you get it? I took a car. What's a car? Well, it's a horse-drawn carriage without the horse. Well, how did it move? Through chemical energy. Well, what's chemical energy? And what's, well, he's, he'd be a fast study, but I have to invest a lot of time catching him up on things that we, that we just live with. I don't like this. I don't like this. Here's Why? what I say. Because he's your hero. Yeah. Right? He's the guy that you love. Yeah. He's got a beautiful mind. Yeah. And after you talk to him for an hour, you're going to be like, listen, dumbass. <laughs> I told you that already. <laughs> Newton, Newton, you dumbass. Right, yeah, nah, I don't like this. I don't like it. Okay, that could upset my hero, the hero worship. <laughs> right. Yeah, so that, that's what I would do. All right, there you go. Here we go. Right, let's, let's go to Austin Media. Austin C. Media from Instagram says, Hello, my name is Austin, and I live in upstate New York. I work in the aerospace industry, and I build giant hyper-rockets. Um, my question is based on rocket telemetry. As the Earth rotates due east, as we launch rockets due east, uh, and use the Earth's gravity to help it get into orbit, does the amount of gravity assist come from just the overall mass of the Earth and its speed of rotation, or does the mass of our iron core 
help with the amount of speed of the rotation in relation to the amount of gravity we feel. So, okay, it's got nothing to do with any of that. Okay, there that you ain't go. Got nothing to do with any of that. It's, All right, it's much. Now, Austin, we're going to treat you like Isaac Newton right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, that's a rocket scientist overthinking the problem. Right. Okay. okay. That's a, it's possible to think too much. Just just rein that in a little bit. Okay? Right. Let that big brain calm down. <laughs> just calm. Just 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 take a cleansing breath. There okay. you go. So uh, clearly, he knows, and others might not know, that it is our preference. Hour, anyone who's launching rockets to launch east, okay? Because Earth is rotating right west to east, right. so you get the you're getting so, a little so, assist. You're getting a little. It's not a gravity assist. No, it's not a gravity. It's just it's getting a, a little pure speed. It's a push. A little right, push speed assist. A tailwind. A tailwind. <laughs> get a little tailwind for the rocket. <laughs> so and and as such, if you want the maximum uh, extra boost. You want to do it where Earth is actually moving the fastest. Obviously, Earth is spinning as one solid object. Right. But at the equator, it does one full turn in the same time it does uh, closer to the pole, but it's got a bigger distance to travel. Right. It's therefore moving faster. You look at the equator, it's going about 1,000 miles an hour. Nice. We're here in New York City. We're moving about 800 miles an hour due east. So generally, you want to launch as far south as possible. They have some mobile launch platforms that go pick up your rocket, go to the equator, and then launch it from the equator. It's kind of cool. Wow. Um, It's it's a business. It's a business model. So anyhow, if you do that, then you don't need the fuel necessary to have gapped that extra uh, speed boost that you got. So it's a matter of safe. If, if you save fuel, now I have more payload capacity for the thing you're paying me to put into orbit. So everything is better, okay, if you, if you can take less fuel. And it's, it's not that much less fuel, but it's enough you can make incremental differences in your profit margins. That's all. And it's got nothing to do with the core. It's got nothing to do with how strong Earth's gravity is. Um, that extra speed is just... This whiplash just effect. The ro- just the rotation itself. That's that's all it is. And the speed with which you have to attain so that you can maintain orbit, that depends on Earth's gravity. And for Earth, it's about five miles per second. If you go a little less than five miles per second, you, you'll go up and then crash back down. All right? So you want to go fast enough so that your eastern motion, it, it, you want to go so fast that as you fall back to Earth... Mm-hmm. Earth curves away from you. Right. So for every five five feet, let's say, you fall towards Earth, you move so far downstream that Earth's curved shape has curved five feet away from you. Right. So you're constantly falling towards Earth at a speed where Earth is exactly curving away from you. That is the orbital speed. And for Earth, it's 18,000 miles an hour. It comes out to about five miles per second. Wow. There you go. That's so cool. Yeah. There you have it. Nice. Ah, um, skate skate philosophy. I've been in the house with my kids for a long time. That sounds really good, man. (laughs) Sending them or you? (laughs) (laughs) You can make it a game. Who wants to go into orbit today? (laughs) It's a dealer's choice as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) All right. uh, We are running out of time, so let's get to KOB from YouTube. How can we be running out of time? I'm talking too much. Damn. Okay, go on. It's okay. Uh, Does light ever cease to move? Can a photon be in a state of momentumless relax, or does it continue to move indefinitely? Um, 
And so I guess he has to be talking about in the vacuum of space because we know that photons cease to move, you know, when they hit your eye. Right, then they're not photons anymore. Right, they're they not be, photons. They become pockets of energy, electrochemical energy right. in your head. All right, so uh, uh, photons, we can slow them down. Okay. Anytime you put them in a transparent, denser medium, they go slower. So they go slower going from vacuum to air. Right. It goes slower going from air to water. It goes right. slower going from water to glass. Right. It goes slower going from glass to diamond. Right. Okay. Diamond uh, uh, light travels 40% of its peak speed in a vacuum. Wow. Okay. So now there have been some experiments where they created a medium where the light is really, really slow. Like you could practically watch it move from really? one point to the other. Right, so what you're doing is they're boosting what's called the index of refraction. The higher the index of refraction, the greater the light will bend as it crosses into that medium, and the slower it will move. Ooh. Okay, That's why diamonds are so useful as rings, because you, you put facets in it, and the light goes in, it bends, it bends. so severely that you can, have, uh, you can trap light enough so that it comes out a completely different place from where the white light went in. So it gives the diamond uh, the appearance of having a certain radiance. Right. Right. If it only gave light in the direction you sent it in, then it's because I have the light, all right? But if light comes here and it goes out there and you see it from that direction, it gives you the impression of something highly radiant. So diamonds have value for that reason, uh, among others. But uh, for as jewelry, they have value for that reason. So all I'm saying is, uh, in principle, you can have the index refraction so high that you can like watch the light sort of move. But I don't know that you can just stop it. I don't think so. That, so no frozen light? I don't think so. Damn, because that would be so cool. Frozen light. I don't, I don't, so. mind, I don't mind the molasses light either. That, <laughs> that's kind of cool, too. That's kind of cool, too. In fact, there's a laboratory, Caltech, that specializes in high-speed photography. And they have some camera that takes like a trillion frames per second. And then they put light through a medium that slowed it down. And then they, you can take all these frames per second. You can actually watch the light move through the medium. It's amazing. Right, right. But I don't think you can stop it. They, they, in fact, let me, put, let me say it another way. I don't want to be around if you succeed. I don't <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, time for one quick question. What, what, do you, what do you got? Okay, here you go. This will be very quick. Daniel220 from YouTube says, If aliens are real, what technology... Can we suggest that they have, in other words, what, what technology do you think they would have? Example, like a Dyson sphere. Uh, is there oh. anything that, is there anything that we, first of all, if they can get to us. Thank you. That's, that's, that's <laughs> the jig's up. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, if they can get here, because, I mean, it's not like we can't see what's around us. We okay, know so how close stuff is, right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I wield things in my back pocket that would have me burned at the stake 20 years ago for sorcery in our own in our own civilization okay if you if you had the smartphone in like the 1990s Right. They say, oh, wait a minute, let me do these 19 other things. People would right. look at you, what, what is what? that? Where is that? Ooh, I know. What, what? And that's just us in our own technology in our own time. That's now, you funny. you want an alien who got here from right. another planet, from another right. galaxy, galaxy. And you want to say, do they have a Dyson sphere? If all you come up with is stuff we've thought of that they might have, that's not creative enough. Right.
okay? Because everything they do is going to be more interesting than anything we can that we could ever think of. Because we're doing stuff today that's more interesting than we even invented. Right. You look at the movie two thousand and one. Uh, back then, computers were getting uh, more powerful. So right. that the 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 but because that was nineteen sixty eight, imagining the year two thousand and one. So computers were just coming around. You see computers, and they're getting big and powerful. So in two thousand and one, they'll be really big. Right? They'll be huge. They'll be huge. Right? And, and no one is imagining that you'd be carrying computers with you. Right? They're, they're not carrying a computer, but they're trying to imagine the future. All I'm saying is, we we can barely imagine our own future with the technology sitting in front of us, much less predict what kind of technology the aliens are going to have. But if I had to go there, I'd say, yeah, they got warp drives and they can do what the hell they want. There you go. That's it. Because that's, that's what funny. we want. They have warp drives and we want that. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I do a joke where I say, if you had an iPhone and you went back in time just 300 years, they would have burned you at the stake for witchcraft, unless you were a man, in which case they would have worshipped you as a god. <laughs> that's exactly <right. laughs> Or if you go back to slavery times, wait, black folks aren't supposed to be that smart. Right. You know, <laughs> kill that one. That's a bad example. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, so. damn it. <laughs> so anyhow, yeah, we gotta we gotta go check. All right, okay. All right, All right that's another cosmic queries. These are fun. Thanks for yeah. These being a are part so much it. fun. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, yeah. this is uh, cosmic queries. Star Talk. Neil deGrasse Tyson, Chuck Nice. We're all here for you, serving your cosmic curiosities. Keep looking up. Mm-hmm.